Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. At the 50, at the 10, at the 5, still going. Look at the goal line, bullseye, it's a Buffalo touchdown. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another edition of Bullseye, the UB Bulls football podcast. I'm your host, Kyrie Demos, and today we've got an episode that breaks down a little bit of what happened last week with the Bulls and their matchup against Western Michigan. And we also look ahead to their matchup with Kent State. So, you know, uh, as as the Bulls were able to, you know, open up conference play, you know, it was a tough one, uh, you know, real tight game, you know, just falling short to the Broncos with a 24 17 loss and you know it was really a, a back and forth game all throughout um western really got things going early on you know converting on a fourth and three call um you know to to extend a 16 play drive that led to a 7-0 lead for them but um Ron Cook Jr. was able to take the next uh, possession, take a uh, 55-yard touchdown to the house. Um, and, you know, that that's something we're going to get back to later on in the show. But, you know, just just uh, thinking about, you know, looking ahead from there, you know, UB uh, was trying to take advantage of a Western Michigan missed field goal in the first quarter, um, extending early into the second quarter. Keon Williams got going a little bit from there, a couple catches back to back, but, you know, a strip sack fumble um, of Kyle Van Treese ended that drive prematurely. And, you know, it was tough to see because, you know, I'm going to pull the stat up here. I actually tweeted this during the game. Rather unique statistic for the Bulls. You know, the Bulls have been one of the more dominant offensive lines, um, not even just in the MAC conference, but overall in college football over the last handful of years. Um, but, you know, they, they were taking advantage of there. So, yeah, just looking at the stat here, it was uh, Zaire Barnes who was the one who recorded the strip sack fumble. It was just the second time since November of 2019 that Kyle Van had been sacked. Um, unreal statistic there, but you know, again, it was it was something that uh, really sparked um, the Broncos moving forward. They were able to, um, you know, drive down again and you know get into the red zone. And uh, but fortunately for the Bulls, they were able to get a goal line stand right before the half. Um, you know, just, just, uh, you know, moving forward from there, they were able to build a 10 seven lead, you know, on an Alex McNulty 37 yarder, which capped a 13 play drive for the bulls. You know, that was, that was a really pivotal moment.
moment. You know, they, things were looking great. Um, just coming out of the half, taking the lead there. Um, Western actually ended up missing a second field goal um, in the in the action. But, you know, that's when things really turned. The fortune for the Bulls really turned from there. You know, obviously I mentioned that 37-yard uh, field goal, but for UB's offense, you know, things really, really got stagnant. You know, um, their next four possessions were three and outs, and they directly – Turn two. So Western had a turnover on downs after the first three and out. Um, then they were able to convict, uh, the Broncos were then able to convert a field goal to not things at 10. Um, then, you know, uh, this is probably the most pivotal point of the game. Um, after UB's third consecutive three and out, um, you know, the, the Bulls were able to hold the Broncos, you know, for third, third and all along. Um, and they were looking like they were going to get off the field, but Gaddafi Wright had a, um, an unsportsmanlike, uh, conduct penalty called against him. He batted a ball down, but, you know, it was, it, it, it came, it was, it was such a, a circumstantial situation. He bats the ball down and was frustrated with himself that he didn't intercept it. So he immediately spiked the ball. But of course, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, he shouldn't have done or, um, you know, obviously the refs aren't going to let you get away with that. So um, just thinking of that, that play um, that led to Caleb Ellaby, um, the Western Michigan quarterback um, connecting with Sky Moore um, on a 64 yard touch. Done. And that was really um, the, the the sequence that um, did the the Bulls in because you then turned that around with another three and out, and then um, Ladarius Jefferson was able to to cap an eleven play drive uh, for the Broncos um, with a touchdown to cap a pretty strong day for himself. And you know, UB was able to get back on the board late. Um, you know, with Van Treese, um finding the end zone himself with his legs in the red zone, but it was just a little bit too little, too little, too late. Um, you know, this was a really a, a, a game that you shot himself in the foot um, late. I'll say, you know, just thinking about being up ten seven after the after the first half and you know being deadlocked at at a ten apiece with you know just like a roughly a third of the game left to play. Um, you know, it really seemed as though, you know, overtime might be in the equation or, you know, whatever the case was just a tight finish, but, you know, just thinking of how you be, um, uh, you know, some of the things that happened down the stretch for the Bulls, you know, that really held them back from being able to, to pull out this victory. Just looking at some of the numbers here was a, tale of um it wasn't similar to, it was not similar to what happened with the uh, ODU game where it was really a tale of two halves it was really just a stretch in the fourth quarter that um got the Bulls and, and it seems to be a theme at this point you know in the three losses uh, we'll get to actually um some of the press conference uh sound that we got from after the game so, but just thinking of the three losses, you know, I talked with Coach Molinguist about this. There were plays in all three games that the Bulls have lost thus far this season that they, if they had made them, you know, those are much tighter games. You know, I, I think of the Nebraska game very vividly because 
just for the fact that, you know, the Bulls were deadlocked down a score. Um, it looked like they were going to be down a score uh, heading in the half. But, you know, to be able to have a three and out, followed that by, you know, the, the long um, uh, Martinez run. Um, to set up a score before the half and uh, even just uh, turning the ball over from there. And then I believe the, the coordinator's got a, a field goal then the half from from there. But even just thinking about also, too, the um, the Coastal game, you know, just some of the plays that um, that the team, you know, missed out on early in the, in the first half and, you know, trying to play catch-up in the second half. So, you know, UB really has had its moments this year of, you know, really being on the cusp, really just being right there and being so close in, uh, to to closing in on victory. So, you know, it's it's a... Uh, it's tough to see when a team is really trying to establish itself and is trying to make things right um, you know, for Mo Linguist and his return to the program, especially now being him being the head guy and everything. Um, he, he seems to be having, you know, the players on the same page. He seems to be having, you know, the, the, the core um, really leading the group, you know, some of those, those uh, upperclassmen like Kyle Van Trees quarterback, um, uh, linebacker James Patterson, um, even thinking of you know Keon Williams as well. So you know it's it's tough to see um, in that regard for to see the Bulls have those uh, struggles to not be able to pull the games out late. So just uh, again looking at some of the numbers here. Um, hold on, just pulling these up now. Now Keon Williams was really the the standout offensively for the Bulls. You know he had. Um, Another game, another hundred, another week, another hundred yard game for him. Back to back weeks now, uh, you know, six receptions for 119 yards, and he's actually had over 90 yards receiving in uh, four of his five games as a bull. So, you know, the, this this kid has really come over um, and just shown and proved why, um, you know, his, his worth uh, coming into the, this offense and him warranting himself as a, a number one receiver for Kyle Ventries. You know, he, he continues to show, um, and, and he's actually the leading receiver now in the Mac, uh, because of that. Um, you know, just looking ahead again, or just looking back now again on, uh, you know, some of the other statistics, uh, Kyle Ventries, you know, he was limited again, um, in, the, in, the, in this action, you know, 12 of 22, 151 yards. And, um, you know, again, the, the past Attack. Outside of Keon Williams, things have been up and down in that regard. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, actually be talking with Kyle about that um, with some of the presser uh, audio that you guys will hear. So stay tuned for that. The running game, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about this. You know, so I, I mentioned Ron Cook's 55 yard rushing touchdown. Um he finished with 56 yards, but, you know, the team as a whole finished with 31. Um, Dylan McDuffie had eight for uh, 38, 4.8 um, yards per carry average. And uh, Kevin Marks Jr. finished with 11 for 34. Um, so, you know, it was, it was it was tough sledding. Really, it was tough sledding for the Bulls. And, you know, that's something that um, I'm going to touch on, you know, when we, we talk a little bit about the uh, the Kent State game and, you know, what the uh, – the, the the Bulls could be looking forward to or some things they may want to be considering heading to, into this matchup with the Golden Flashes. So, uh, you know, just a, just um, just some, some stagnant play uh, for the Bulls in the second half. They're really uh, on the offensive end. They really uh, contributed, I think, to the the, the win not um, 
coming home for the Bulls, you know, especially just thinking about how often that defense was on the field. You know, it's great to see, you know, guys like James Patterson with 14 tackles, Corey Gross with 10 tackles, Marcus Fuqua with 10 tackles. But, you know, those guys were on the field a ton, a lot of snaps. So, you know, when you're getting those extra snaps, a lot of times um, that that stuff is, is going to catch up to you. Um, you know, just think, looking at the time of possession. I mean, this is, if you want to talk about, you know, yes, you only turned the ball over one time. Penalties were equal, um, five to five. But obviously, obviously when you when you get um, outgained yardage-wise, that's one thing. But Western Michigan held a 40-minute, six-second to 19-minute, 54-second time of possession advantage. So more likely than not, if you double up on your opponent in terms of time of possession, that um, that, that bodes well. That often bodes well. So, you know, it, it, I'm not surprised uh, just looking at that um, and, and especially seeing how the Broncos closed things out late. Um, I'm not surprised that that was the case with that there. Um, just also thinking about this game um, for the Bulls, you know, I, I think uh, it, I don't think the Bulls should get too discouraged, though, either. You know, I know, obviously, having mentioned some of the things that, you know, held the Bulls back in this matchup, I totally understand. And, you know, yeah, when you miss narrowly, um, it still hurts. There's still a lot of bitterness. There's still a lot of pain that comes with that, um, which Coach uh Mo Linguist will we'll touch on a little bit with these pressers or with this presser uh, later on. But at the same time, too, just thinking about it, you'd be lost to, you know, Big Ten program in Nebraska, you know, one of the top teams in the country, one of the top one of the top 20 teams in, this, in the country in Coastal Carolina. And then to Western Michigan, who at, by all accounts may be the best program best team this season um in the mac you know especially out of the mac west uh you know, they're looking to they, the the broncos seem to be poised to you know make a run to detroit so you know at this point ub has nothing to really hang its head over um i think like as i mentioned before uh there were things that ub really could have done to pull this one out um offensively, defensively, just even getting on off the field in certain situations. I know there were some big moments throughout, but in being able to knock uh, Caleb Ellaby around a bit early on, but he was able to keep his poise, stay focused and uh, push through that to, you know, really shine late in the clutch. Um, so just looking back again, guys, you know, talking about, this past game here is the audio um, from the post game just talking a little bit with coach Molinguist with James Patterson and Kyle Vantries so stay tuned we'll be back after this very tough and gritty bunch in the locker room that's very disappointed off the result that we just got um we put a lot of time and preparation into uh, putting ourselves in the best position possible to, to go out there and start start conference play one and zero. We didn't get that accomplished. Uh, and I told the team that you know, pain is a is a is a great lesson learner in life because it can teach you things. It teaches you, you know when you experience painful things. What it means it's extremely important to you, uh, which you know, a lot of room full of guys with this game is extremely important to them, and then also. Things don't go right and they're hurtful. You gotta laugh. You have to learn uh, why they occurred. You have to learn uh, uh, 
and they need to learn so they don't have it again. So proud of the way the guys responded and competed. Uh, obviously not, not happy with the result. Hats off to Western Michigan and Coach Rester. They did a good job themselves, and the guys played hard. It was a hard-fought game. So uh, we'll take that all back. I think, uh, you know, we've we kind of experienced this a little bit uh, twice, um, you know, with ODU, and, uh, and, and now this week where, you know, uh, there's good coaches on both sides and, and uh, people are going to make adjustments and uh, you know, they're going to well, make an emphasis on trying to stop what you do well. Uh, really got to look at the film and, uh, you know, see all the details of what the film says and, and, and maybe where all the stars, stars occurred. Uh, and, and we'll assess everything. Yeah, we'll assess everything. But obviously, we're able to move the ball, put ourselves in a good position. And uh, when we had the one sack in the... Uh, in the red zone in the first half that we could have got points off but we didn't get that and uh moved the ball up and down kind of traded some series back and forth and then uh in the second half uh we made an emphasis on trying to get a couple things established that uh western and t- uh, western michigan had, t- had taken away and um we just got to be ready to respond and, and, and really uh, kind of go to the to the next series of plays and, and next series of uh things that we need to do to, uh, to move the ball effectively so Again, we'll watch the film, we'll assess it, we'll look at everything and and, uh, and, and see what we got to get done so that doesn't occur again. Thank you, Wes. Thank you, Great stops. Also, the world that they missed, the stop for the inside five, especially the second half, the question is to get the ball out of the Vegas, have a result of being on the field a lot, and we considering better bringing out the inside five yeah, I mean, we talk we, we we talk a ton about playing complementary football. You know how the offense affects the defense, defense affects the offense, how teams affects everything. And, you know, you look at that Western Michigan offense; uh, they went up and down the field against a lot of people this year, and uh, our our defense did an outstanding job of just putting us putting ourselves in a position to win the game. I mean, ten points going into the fourth quarter—that's the same offense that just scored forty-four against a Power Five uh, ACC, uh, ACC team, I think, on the road. So. Uh, you know, our defense did a great job of, of, of keep, keeping us uh, right, very much right in the middle of the game. Uh, our defensive line uh, allowed us to play really a two-high shell look, winning at the line of scrimmage and playing a gap and a half. And, and uh, we were able to stop the run all night with our defensive line doing a great job. Backers field the runs. And I think a series of, uh, you know, just kind of right back out there again when you, you you don't really have the movement that you want on offense and kind of having to go back on defense. I think physically, you know, also psychologically, you got to stay, keep your mind in it uh, where you're, where, uh, where you have to kind of respond, even, even though the complimentary football is not taking place, you got to respond and still uh, get off the field. You know, on defense, you can't always control how you got to get on the field, but you got to control how you get off. Uh, and, uh, it's a couple of plays we probably like to have back when it didn't happen in the fourth quarter. Uh, but 10 points going into the last, you know, minutes of the game. We talk to our players about boys, uh, having boys in critical situations, um, regardless of 
you know, what, what you do is in football is you control what you can control. You know, one thing that we can control is our preparation. We can control our attitude and our mindset every day. We control our performance. We control how we respond in critical situations. We control what type of teammates we want to be. We control, uh, we're going to control how we respond from this very tough situation. Um, you know, every, every, every talented championship level team at the end of it has a story of great toughness. Uh, and, uh, we have to know how to respond to hurtful, painful situations, and we will. We'll stay connected. We'll stay together as a family. Uh, we'll watch the film, and we'll be very honest and have real accountability in our locker room, starting with the person that you're looking at first. And, uh, and then we'll change our best, and we'll correct what we have to correct. Were you given an explanation on that penalty? Uh, was not given given an explanation. Well, uh, the department raised the rules of the block that we're trying to take advantage of. Well, I want to say flaws. I think when you when you look at when you look at when you start a new opponent, what, what you look at is you know you ask yourself what are the strengths, uh, what are the areas that you feel like you can take advantage of, uh, what do we have to do to win this football game? You know, every every team has a little bit of a different DNA and thumbprint, and you kind of start putting your plan together. Look at matchups. Uh, you look at you know kind of what what front you want to be in on uh, defense and how you want to move the ball on offense. Uh, Western Michigan came off of you know three and one uh, beat San Jose State that was very good at home. Um, they beat uh, Pitt, which is going to probably be playing you know postseason play this year at a Power Five opponent, and uh, and they did well against a uh, FCS uh, non conference opponent. Uh, they're good. They have a good team, good offense, and so are we. When we started the week off, we knew we had to stop the run. We knew they were an RPO team. We did, it. we did that pretty successfully. We then on offense, we wanted to make an emphasis on running the ball. We did that in the first half. We didn't get that done as much in the second half. But we knew we had to uh, control the clock, and, and the kicking game was going to be a big factor. When you go into games and you're, and you're 10 to 10 in the fourth quarter, I, I think both teams can realistically say that uh, you know their plan in terms of execution, we have a flaw. I'm not sure we'll say we had a flaw. Uh, what we're going to look at is you know what we're asking uh, – players to do and who are asking to do what and uh, and making sure that we get the you know, ball in the right hands and put ourselves in the right position. Coach, just thinking about the week of preparation um, going into the matchup, you know, what was it like preparing for a quarterback like that would be, you know, he's been able to have a strong start to the season and you guys were able to knock him off for them early, but he saw Congress rhythm late in the game. Yeah, I mean, uh, preparation, you know, it's kind of what we kind of uh, spoke to a little bit before. It's just uh, – you know, they, they have a talented quarterback that can run and throw, um, you know, kind of add a little bit of a different element to your game plan. Um, I thought our safeties did a good job all, 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 that all game, kind of holding the coverage disguises. And, you know, uh, Western Michigan is a big check with me team. They go back to the sideline and get themselves in the perfect play. So coverage disguise was a big emphasis in terms of what looks we were going to show pre-snap to, to indicate what type of plays we were possibly going to get to counter that to – how we were going to drop a safety or bricks a guy late. And, uh, and that's part of the chess message just in terms of coaching. Uh, look up at the four quarter, 10 points. I would say that um, our preparation was the right way on that side of the ball in terms of our defensive approach. And uh, we knew that we were going to have to manufacture some, some uh, uh, turn out some first, uh, first downs in that second half to move the field and put the field, the field position battle was a kind of a big factor all game. They missed a field goal and then they, uh, and then they uh, forced a sack where we could have got a field goal off of it. You know, it's a heavyweight fight. Uh, two heavyweights kind of throwing punches back and forth. Um, and, then, uh, and then we had a critical critical penalty in, in the fourth quarter that kind of put us in a bad position. But at the same time, you got to respond. You, know, you have to have the boys and you have to have 
response uh, uh, to that critical uh, situation the right way? I'm also just thinking about, you know, you guys, two and three record, but just in those three losses, there are plays that you guys could have made that really could have put the script. Right. You're just thinking about how close you guys are. You know, what do you think it is that's going to take the what do you think it is that's going to the team needs to do to be able to take that next step forward? Sure. I think every single person uh, just assess their job responsibilities, make sure we have clarity in our job responsibilities. Um, you know, as a player, their job is to prepare and perform. My job is to teach and remain in a healthy, right way. Um, and everything starts with, with me first. So we're going to make sure that the right things are being taught, uh, that the culture and the connection in the locker room stays strong. Uh, we have a locker room that is very accountable. There's a lot of trust in there. Um, and, and, uh, we're going to make sure that we continue with that accountability and trust and then make sure that uh, the, on, the, on the football uh, aspect and the X's and O's piece of it, that uh, we're just putting our run-out players in the right position. So uh, everything starts with me, uh, and uh, we're going to make sure that our coaches have clarity in their responsibilities so the players can have clarity in their responsibilities um, so we can go out there and perform and become the team. And I really believe that we're capable of becoming. You know, one of the hardest things as you go through a season is sometimes when you don't get the first result that you want, you know, to get distracted. And then we want to make sure we don't get distracted, make sure we stay focused and continue to take the necessary steps to grow, uh, to change what, uh, change our best and to become what we're capable of becoming. It only happens through hard work consistency. mentioned communication as being uh, lack thereof, you know, in the LDU game, especially in the second half. But what do you think the communication level was like today? Even though it was really windy, everybody was on the same page, you know, it was really, there was really no, no miscommunication, nobody on one page and everybody was on the other, it was really great communication. Does it, does it sometimes get frustrating when, when it kind of churns out those long drives and time and possession and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. to uh, you know, establish a run game that was going to be able to lean on their front seven, um, make them make plays, and then be able to throw the ball over top, make their secondary cover us, make their secondary tackle. Um, we did a decent job of that. A good majority of the game, but we just couldn't do it when uh, counted. I was just thinking of, you know, the second half was, you know, it seemed like things were a little bit stagnant. You know, just what, what were you seeing out there in terms of was it a mix up in coverages? Were they, you know, sending different stunts and blitzes? What do you think it was that was 
and contributing to some of that. I mean, it's nothing we haven't seen before, nothing we haven't prepared for. It's just, you know, execution. It's really all it comes down to. Everybody's got to be able to do their job. Everybody's got to be on the same page. Uh, got to minimize the amount of mistakes. Put yourself in the best position to be successful. We have a few here and there that it's a, either a negative play or no gain. Shut down the drive. Just also thinking about the passing game, you know, obviously there's been some ups and downs, but one constant has been Keon Williams. You know, for you, you know, to be able to have someone who's had experience in this league or in this conference, especially to be able to come over and be really a reliable target for you, you know, what has that been like? Yeah, I'm really proud of Keon. Everything he's done since he's gotten here, just put his head down and gotten to work. The receiver room has embraced him and he's embraced us and us offense. He's a good leader. He's a brave, hard worker. He's going to go make plays. I'm really proud of him and he's done. But it's, 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 it's really nice to be able to have that kind of athlete, that kind of player out there uh, on the field because it opens up everything else. Carl, let's play the second half. There's four drives and three yards and four plays. God, what's it going to take to maximize those drives, length of them, produce more output? It's execution. Like I just said, it's execution. That's all it is. Now, we in our preparation, we have to bear uh, every single rep, not just every single practice, but they bear every single rep to dominate the guy across from us. Um, whether it's a scout team, whether that's a good on good or one-on-one if we're going against the defense. Um, so when it comes to games, having my mindset mentality is to dominate the guy across from us. Why did that happen so well? Just mistakes. We didn't put ourselves in the right positions. The lack of execution is definitely is definitely the struggle, but the uh, you know it's the mental frustration and getting away from the mental frustration. That's the hardest part, and getting everybody away from that and pushing it from pushing it behind us. You know, squashing it, flushing it, um, because the next play is the most important and the most important play. Um, and you got to have that mindset. No matter if it's a good play, bad play, ugly play, it doesn't matter. you got to go on to the next one. Okay. Yeah, no, they, they didn't really do much else different. Like I said, we prepared and we've seen just about everything we have, um, everything they did. So you know, it's, it's just the execution. You know, everyone's got to do their job. and everyone's got. Uh, that's the one thing about offense is everyone has to do their job for the play to be successful. On defense, you know, if someone makes a mistake, another person can come make a great tackle or a great, you know, uh, pass breakup or something like that, you know. So, um, you know, on offense, it's it's 11-man football, and we have to be a strong unit to be able to go out and work out and be successful. So, this is safe with guys. This is safe Yeah, everything works in tandem. You know, offense and defense is... We gotta we gotta keep them off the field because you know, especially in an offense like theirs where they're gonna check every play and they're gonna keep you on the field for long periods of time. Um, it's not it's not complimentary football when we when we leave them on the field and we go three and out. Um, so we have to pick that up um, as an offense. And ultimately that comes down to me, you know, um, forcing me, willing this offense to get a first down to continue with the drive. Um, but we just gotta be collectively better so that we can um, play better complimentary football. 
Alrighty, y'all. So just looking ahead to this Kent State matchup, obviously it's two teams that are in similar positions. Both the Bulls and the Golden Flashes are, are sitting at two and three uh, on the season. But uh, this is a big matchup for UB because Kent State is coming off a, a win in its uh, MAC opener, whereas obviously we just talked about you know UB's loss to Western Michigan. So you know the uh, the Golden Flashes are coming off a 27-20 victory over Bowling Green where you know they were able to lean heavily heavily on the running game um with Marcus uh Marquez Cooper finished with 120 rushing yards and two touchdowns as well as Dustin Crumb finishing with 93 yards and two touchdowns or a touchdown of his own um the Golden Flashes uh, rushed for 262 yards as a team that day. So, you know, there's just a few different questions I have uh, coming in about this game. You know, just first and foremost, before I get to the questions, um, you know, just thinking about Kent State, their record is a bit misleading. Uh, they, in three of their uh, first four games of the season, they played against a team that was either ranked or undefeated at the time of playing them. So, you know, they, the Golden Flashes opened the season at Texas A&M. Um, A&M is, you know, definitely one of the teams to watch out for um, throughout all the country. You know, so that that's a tough matchup for any program, let alone a Mac school. Um, then also, you know, uh, the Golden Flashes were able to get a win over VMI, um, the FCS program. But, you know, then at the time, uh, Kent State played Iowa, who was fifth. And then the following week, uh, they, they were um, matched up against Maryland, who was undefeated at the time. So, like I said, you know, the, the record is a little misleading. You know, this is a good football team. You know, obviously getting the win last week kind of bolsters that but at the same time too you know this is a, a team that UB should definitely not be sleeping on and I think is you know it should be a pretty um pretty fair matchup just just thinking about where two, both programs are uh coming into the matchup so but like I said I have a couple different questions you know the first question that I have is you know, will UB be able to stop the run you know, obviously I talked about Cooper and uh, Crum, what they've been able to put together, uh, you know, as a team or what they were able to put together as a tandem last week. Just thinking about this, you know, and I know I touched on this a little bit in the last episode, but just thinking about since the start of the Nebraska game for UB, the program is allowing 211.3 yards rushing per game. And, you know, as I mentioned, you know, Kent State to be able to put up over 260 last week. That's something that the, those are two um, trends that you don't want to see coming into a matchup. You know, one team going in one direction with that unit um, in terms of stopping the run. You know, they were able to hold uh, Western Michigan to, I mean, 178. Obviously, that's not um, ideal. Um, thinking of just what UB um, has been on the defensive side of the ball over the last few years. And, um, you know, they were uh, Ladarius Jefferson finished with 96 yards himself against the Bulls. But um, just thinking of Sean Tyler as well, Sean Tyler had 80 yards rushing um, in the game. So, you know, those two guys um, to, to see uh, a, a tandem backfield be able to step up against the Bulls last week, you know, that that's something that's got to give you some pause coming into this matchup as well. And, and, you know, just thinking about the other side of the ball now, sticking with the theme of the running game, UB has lost a bit of its uh, luster with the run 
rushing attack in the last two games, I'll say specifically. So my question is, can you be get back to running the ball? You know, against Western Michigan, you know, as I mentioned, you know, the team only totaled 131 yards. So, you know, you subtract 55 yards from that uh, that Cook touchdown. That's uh, I believe that's uh, 86 yards rushing then um, as a team. You know, so that that's definitely not ideal. And even the week before against ODU, um, UB only totaled 106 rushing yards in that game. So. It's 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 challenging, um, you know, to see because this has been a program that's historically been built off the running game, and I think this is a very unique point too because I, th- at, you know, there have been times where there have been viable um, guys behind the starter. Obviously, you know, seeing Kevin Marks sit behind a guy like Jarrett Patterson over there, seeing Anthony Taylor behind Brandon Oliver or Jordan Johnson behind those guys, or, you know, just thinking of, of some of those names that came along the way and waited their turn and, you know, eventually were given the, the keys and uh, were asked to be the man. But, you know, this is a, a, a backfield with, I think, three guys at the minimum um, who can really um, make an impact, you know, especially with, you know, Marks, he, he's obviously his, his career as a bull has been stated, but just seeing what Dylan McDuffie has been able to do, putting together, um, you know, he, he's been a, a really strong um, option out of the backfield. Um, so, you know, you, you would like to see the, 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 the offense getting back to that, especially with seeing the success um, the team had rushing the ball against uh, Coastal Carolina. Uh, UB rushed for 262 yards, ironically, the same number at Kent State rushed against uh, Bowling Green. But, you know, just seeing how much success they were able, the Bulls were able to have against, you know, a top 20 program, um, I think it's it's something that they need to be able to reestablish uh, to, to get back on track. And then lastly, um, just thinking, you know, of reestablishing things again, you know, will the Bulls be able to revive the passing attack? You know, Kyle Van Treese, um, he he's definitely one of the best quarterbacks in the MAC. You know, he's currently ranked fourth overall in uh, passing yards. But you know, the the last handful of weeks have been tough for him. Um, he's had three straight games under 200 yards passing, and um, you know, to be specific, he's averaging 162.7 yards per game in those three games, and you know, two of those three games have been losses for the Bulls. And, you know, even just thinking about the ODU game, um, you know, the bulk of his yardage came in that second quarter. And, you know, outside of that, it was, t- it was tough sledding. So, you know, just want to be able to see what UB can do in a matchup like this, um, you know, but also too, you know, thinking about like what I just mentioned about Van Trees. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see him going up against this secondary, especially with uh, Keon Williams outside and, um, you know, Dominic Johnson also, you know, providing as a, as a nice compliment to him. But this is probably the best uh, corner duo in the MAC. Um, with Elvis Hines and uh, Montre Miller. Both guys have three picks each this season. So, you know, some ball hawks that can really um, make a play on it if uh, if if Calvin gives them the chance to do so. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if um, Calvin Trees is able to still attack those guys, but at the same time to play it smart and not uh, put the ball too heavily in harm's way. So, you know, it should be a fun, fun matchup. You know, I think with... UB just knowing that the team has really gotten to a point now where it's like, okay, hey, you know, we got through non-conference play. 
Conference play is here now. Mac play. Some action is going on. Let's see if we can, you know, get back to what we started, um, you know, earlier in the season. Obviously, the Wagner win was tremendous. Um, but, you know, no team on the uh, rest of the slate will be comparable to Wagner. So to see the Bulls get the win against ODU, but, you know, have such high highs, but then some lows in the second half and some going through some lows and, um, you know, really just uh, losing momentum. But, you know, on the flip side of it, too, you know, to think that a program that is two and three um, is, is is probably still just getting to its peak. You know, it, it's it's still climbing, it's still ascending. And, you know, even at two and three, there's a lot of promise and a lot of hope uh, for what this team can look like and can get to the level it can get to before the season's over. You know, I think Molinguist is at a point too, where he's really, yes, he's establishing himself, but he sees that too. He sees that, Hey, you know, we might not be um, pulling out these wins necessarily at the moment, but at the same time, it's all just laying the bricks and establishing the foundation for what he wants this program to be and how he's envisioned it and just how um, he's going to take those steps to get there. And, you know, like I said, there's just a little, few little tweaks here and there that the program, not the program as a whole, but just in terms of the play and being able to finish out um, the, 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 you know, the, the results of these games and, and to be able to come out on top. There's just a couple little minor things. I think the team needs to fix, but you know, they're, they're right there. The bulls are right there. And I know at two and three, you guys are thinking, Oh man, I can't, we can't be going back to those days where, you know, we were winning, three, four games in the season, things like that. But I think UB is at a point where, hey, you know, it might it might look tough right now, but there's still a lot of season left. And, you know, the Bulls really can make up some ground. Um, they could still make it all the way to Detroit as well. So, you know, don't panic after one MAC game. Um, it, it, there's definitely still a lot of time. So we'll see how it all plays out. You know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, great game Saturday night. Uh, I believe it's a 7 p.m. start, which will be great to see. Um, yes, it's a 7 p.m. start on ESPNU. So, you know, some bi- pretty big national coverage for this matchup. And, you know, hey, this is a game that, like I mentioned before, it's not a, it's not a must win game, but it's a game that for UB's aspirations of wanting to get back to the Mac title game, uh, this is a game that the Bulls will need to take care of, um, you know, so they're not digging themselves out of an 0-2 hole, um, you know, with Ohio the following week. So again, guys, uh, I thank you as always for checking in with me and with the Bulls. You know, it's always a pleasure and, you know, definitely excited to see what the rest of uh, this Bulls season brings. You know, obviously when, when you come in and you finish the first month of the season, there's a lot of reflection and, and thoughts into, you know, what, what has happened and what will happen. And, and, you know, yes, like I mentioned before, the Bulls have had some ups and downs, but, to be honest, to think where this program is with, you know, how quickly uh, Molinguist had to transition over and take this gig on, um, I think they're going to be just fine. So, you know, we'll definitely stay tuned and uh, keep you guys posted on everything. So as always, my friends, it's been a pleasure. This is Kyrie Demos signing off. I'll check in with you guys very, very soon. Stay tuned and horns up. And before I let you guys go, today's episode was presented to you by Bet Online. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.